0: Welcome to the Crazy Dre Podcast Show, ladies and gentlemen. This is your main man of twenty-two to thirty-five minutes, Crazy Crockett, Andre's Podcast, Spotify, or you can find me on on uh well that's what's on Apple Podcast. Uh you can email me at Crazy at gmail.com. Uh when I started this podcast, it was supposed to be more about accomplishments and struggles of uh people but of myself dealing with uh being disabled or but I figure it was getting a little redundant um I did feel like I was uh didn't really give out great feedback or info or anything that's any newer or less I I do think this is a great way for me to to uh think outside i don't have a lot of people to talk to i have a couple friends i got one friend that came back from colorado uh when i went golfing with that guy at diamond springs um then i have another friend who uh is disabled and i hang out with them i pick him up or he's got a van now so he can drive And uh, we play cards and we just do a lot of little stuff like that. Um, But I guess today I'm going to talk about Detroit. I'm going to talk about sports because it's something that comes easy to my mind to think about. It's not something I have to overthink. But let's talk about Detroit. Detroit Lions. As I wear a Detroit Tigers hat. um, Let's talk about Detroit Lions. So, Detroit Lions just came off a bye week, and this bye week is usually when the time a time a team gets to to do low uh film study uh, give the players time to rest gives the players who are hurt extra week to to heal um, it gives the time for the coaches to reanalyze their game plan or their uh, their their uh, way to to help the players understand the goal of at least winning their second game of the season, and uh, our coach Dan Campbell here, he uh, during the bye week he made it a a sure thing that all all the team players would be practicing a lot harder. The team itself would be in the, um, in the practice field. Um, but I personally think that um, having tougher practices during a bye week actually hurts you. It doesn't allow the players to rest, it doesn't allow the players to reanalyze the game in, in itself. That's what film studies for. Uh, I think film study is something that's very important to understand how to do it. Uh, you can have a lot of players who who know how to play the game of football, but if they don't understand how to use film study to understand where where uh, the offense or the defense p- makes a certain play calls uh, if you're a defense coordinator, you want your players to be in a certain spots or certain situations so that it's easier to predict what the offense is doing. This is also, remember, this is the perspective of the defense coordinator. And as an offense coordinator, you have to kind of look at the other team's defense and see what their weak spots and their strong spots and where you can take advantage of the situation in itself. And I think Detroit Lions did a horrible job of even doing that in itself. Of course, you play against Dallas Cowboys, you got Ezekiel, Elliott, and you have their backup running back, Pollard, who's I think is a better running back than Ezekiel. Ezekiel just has more of a body mass, but I feel like Pollard has a much more athleticism and a lot more awareness, and you, he uses his eyes very well, and he's got incredible speed. So he can go through the holes a lot faster. I feel when Ezekiel plays, he he basically plays so that he doesn't get hurt. Uh, he doesn't run like Emmitt Smith from from Dallas over twenty five years ago. He doesn't run through the holes like like a like a man without with nothing to lose. Elliot goes through the holes like he's making sure that he doesn't get hurt. But looking back in the Detroit Lions game, if you see, if you see the play calls, they were very predictable. If you see, if you see how tired Detroit Lions, Detroit looked tired. Detroit looked Detroit looked like they played two games within the week, the bye week. They, the players were huffing and puffing. Um, The cornerbacks, safeties were outplayed. The offense and defense line in the second half looked like they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what play was being called. They just didn't. They just it didn't register in that. And just it looked like Campbell thought again on how this toughness and grit. And he emphasized being tough and grit on that special, the HBO special, Uh, and it just doesn't work. It just really does not work to be... You don't have to teach players to be tough. You have to teach players to be smart. And film study, that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. And when you get players who, who, who are on... On the bye week, over practicing, you're gonna get more hurt players. You just are. I mean, Sam Brown, one of Detroit's better receivers, they benched him for other health reasons. They thought that maybe he had a concussion and he didn't have a concussion. Uh Campbell just sat him out because of another health issue. And if you overwork your players, You're never gonna get nothing done. I mean, and that's the philosophy of Detroit. They just think that you have to be tougher. Let me tell you something. If you make it to the NFL, and I know I've said this before when I talk about Detroit, if you make it to the NFL, you're already tough. Now that you made made it to the NFL, now you have to realize that there are faster players. There are much more, the response time is a lot, is lot thinner. There, you have less possibility of recovering from, from a mistake at any play cost. And, and that intelligence is phenomenally what's the difference between good teams and bad teams. For example, Detroit had two fumbles from golf. They had one fumble from from the running back in the red zone, and I'm going to say something about this end zone fumble. That was a player that was overexcited that that didn't use his eyes at all, and the play call was made, and he just was supposed to go straight in. And score a touchdown. And he didn't do that because he, the offensive line was got, the offensive line got beaten by the defensive line and the running back didn't use his eyes and didn't bounce out. He didn't bounce outside of the pocket and ran into the end zone to the left or to the right of him. And that type of play just tells me that those players are they're just never in that situation they're they're they just they look tired detroit lion players look tired you had golf who fumbled the ball twice and he had no protection at a certain point in the game and he just you know what when you when you're tired and you're trying so hard to to make a play happen, and you just don't go down or don't feel the pressure it's because you're your anxiety of making the next big play overlaps your train of thought of getting rid of the football between three seconds and five seconds, and those two fumbles it was that was reason and his and his uh two interceptions were also the same problem, overdoing it, over over trying to make things happen. And and Matthew Stafford in Detroit had the same problem. When you have part of the team, one of the third of the team who know what the play call is and the other two thirds of the team don't know what the play call was, you're going to have Matthew Stafford throw the ball to Calvin Johnson over his head and so Calvin Johnson had to jump in in the air and when he came down, he got hurt. And that's something that most people don't want to realize is that when you get overworked and you're doing something that you should do maybe once every 100 plays, jump up for a football and catch it, but Detroit was doing it for for every other play. Even St. brown, same thing. He's jumping for a football, he's overreaching. I mean, it's just it just doesn't make sense. I mean, this is Detroit 30 years. This is the Barry Sanders, this is their Herman Moore. You know, you got Herman Moore f- jumping up for a football. And then he strains his back or bruises his knees or his ankles. Calvin Johnson, same thing. Bruised ankles, the whole bit. That's why Calvin Johnson quit after nine years. He did it, the same thing that Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders quit. And And you know what? Recently, there's a tweet of this ex Detroit Lion player. Who plays on another team who says that the ownership and the management of Detroit Lions is horrible and you know I, i'm I hate to tell you this people, you know I just hated to tell you this because I would love to coach Detroit. I would love to help strain the team out. I would love to be able to to do film study with the players and and individually teach. All my players, where every play call, where they're supposed to be. I would love to do that, but unfortunately, when you're on a Detroit Lions organization, you have to remember Detroit Lions is owned by the Ford family. Their assets, and their money machine, is the Ford Automobile Company, and as long as as long as they keep that afloat and make billions of dollars on that, they have nothing to worry about. The Lions, on the other hand, they know it's just an extra money cashed in their pockets. And people say, oh, that, that can't be it. There's no way that they, that this Ford family would do such a thing. There's just no way. Well, think about it. Since they toured Lions from then after 1958, Detroit Lions have never won a championship ever again. So Detroit Lions were were bought out by the Ford family in the nineteen seventies, and even even by even by nineteen seventies standard, the Lions ownership, the Ford family, figured it out. In the beginning, they probably would have wanted to win the Super Bowls and and make the playoffs and make something happen. But you know what? I'm gonna tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. When you have people when you have people who own Detroit Lions and they know and they know that poor people will show up to your football games every week, week in and week out, and they'll pay a hundred dollars for a ticket, a hundred dollars for a parking spot, Closest to the Ford to the Ford Field, and if they make purchases of jerseys and they make purchases of hats and food and beer and all this other stuff that's happening in Detroit, you you can fit sixty-eight thousand people in the Ford Field. If you sell, if you make, if you make this happen, if you if you sell on average of of a ticket let's say you're making an average of a ticket of Detroit let's say the average ticket for a Detroit Lion game is $40 now I'm not even talking about 100 bucks I'm not talking about the the $25 um uh nosebleed seeds or the 200 bucks that's right down in the field let's round this up about $50 right $50 just a number fifty dollars times sixty eight thousand seats that is three point four million dollars three point four million dollars that 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 they make every single game if Detroit Lions fans go to every home game which is times eight home games that's Twenty seven million dollars. Twenty seven million dollars. And think about this, ladies and gentlemen. You have the Ford field. You know your team sucks. You don't ever have to win a Super Bowl because out of those twenty seven million dollar. Fifteen million dollars is based on fans from from Chicago from green bay from from uh from the Vikings, Minnesota Vikings, and any huge fan base that follows the team like Kansas City fans would follow uh um uh let's see who else would follow Dallas fans would follow for God's sake they're they're almost as dumb as Detroit fans. Cleveland Brown fans might even travel that far to watch the Detroit Lion games against the Browns. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. If you make twenty-seven million dollars just buying a ticket in Detroit, and that's not even counting parking, and that's not even counting jerseys, and they'll go and get a percentage cut for those jerseys. I swear they do. They have to. They, why would you? come out with the jerseys and not get a pay cut think about this the nfl owns that product so the nfl will get maybe 75 percent of the jersey that is sold or that hat that's sold so that 25 or 35 percent so if you even even if you go 65 percent of the jersey and hats goes to straight to the nfl and then 35 and then thirty-five to thirty percent goes to the team. That's money. That's bank. And people say, well, if if the Ford family makes, I don't even know how much they make. I would say maybe they make four four billion dollars a year. Well, let's just go down to a billion dollars a year. And they make twenty-seven million dollars off Detroit Lions Ford Field tickets. People like, well, that can't be much. One billion dollars is far more different than twenty-seven million dollars. So, so if they can make, if they can make twenty-seven million dollars of tickets, and they, and now you only have maybe two hundred thousand employees that work at the Ford factories, and there are not a lot of them. You can pay. Majority of your employees based on that Detroit Lions uh, income base that they sell tickets and then the rest of the money that they make off automobiles and trucks and and anything that's now electric or anything that's gas, they bank all that money. They never have to win a Super Bowl. Never. They know that if you take... It would take the Detroit Lion fans to never go to a Detroit Lion games ever again. So, so there's not. So, if you can film fifty thousand people in Detroit, Ford Field, and then the other eighteen thousand people are from the Bears fans, or the Viking fans, or Green Bay Packer fans, they wouldn't care as long as that fifty thousand. Detroit Lion fans show up and another 18,000 of the other opponent show up. They don't care. Now, if every Detroit Lion fan, if every Detroit Lion fan decided, you know what? We're never going we're never going to go to a Detroit Lion game ever. We're never ever will ever go back to Detroit. So, if you take those 50,000 people every home game and you tell them to stay at home and go golfing or go skiing or or make a snowman or do something outside, there's not enough Bear fans out there that would drive all the way to Detroit or Green Bay Packers fans or Viking fans or anyone that's outside the NFC North, they would only fill about 8,000 seats of other opponent's fans. And people are like, well, if there's more seats for them, why wouldn't they show up? Because, because in reality, why would you pay extra money to fly out to a city that's not yours and, and, it's, and it's empty? It was, it's just empty, and I wish and I wish I had a different theory, a different philosophy about Detroit, but they literally I'm telling you the truth, they literally will get players who look phenomenal at certain plays during the game or during the end of the game. As long as they can bring people back. So if players in Detroit keep coming back and losing by three points, that's all they care about because they know that the Detroit Lions fans are a lot like faith-based people. And what I mean by faith-based people is like these are the people that go to church every Sunday or every Saturday They're the people that go to Sunday school during the week. They they go to the cadets every fall season. They send their kids to cadets, and it's like a religion. You don't know if God exists or not, and you don't know if God's going to save you or not, but you sure hope so. And the same thing goes for Detroit Lions. The fan base are lovable people are one of the best fan bases of all time. They we keep losing and we don't have that poor spirit moment. We're not like the we're not like Ohio State. When they lose they throw fits and they start fights. We're not we're not like that. We're not like Yankee fans. When Yankee fans start losing they throw fits. They get angry. They get bitter. They just get mad. They're Detroit Lion fans are like faith-based people. We want Detroit to win so bad that we keep coming to church. Keep coming to church every Sunday at 1 p.m. doesn't matter if you're in Grand Rapids or Detroit or St. John's or Travis City or and there's some fans in the UP who like Detroit. I know there are more Green Bay Packer fans up there. But maybe there's some in UP who wants to watch Detroit win. But they're the best fan base out there for a sport team that's bad. And it's so sad that we have a ownership that keeps drilling this fan base. Detroit Lions... Ford Field or the Ford family, it's almost like a megachurch. Instead of having one guy lead the church and, and you watch him on TV, and most of us, when we see a guy on TV in a megachurch, we ignore them. We think they're crazy. But with the Ford family we still accept them as our ownership. There is no reason, there's no reason for any team who hasn't existed as long as as Detroit has since the 1930s to have never won a Super Bowl. Cleveland Browns are the same way. They should never be in that situation that they have never been to a Super Bowl or they've never won a Super Bowl. And it's kind of weird. It's so weird that Ohio State and Michigan are one of the more phenomenal arch rivals of the Midwest or any college football, and they have winning seasons. Now, we can always debate that Ohio State is a little bit better than Michigan at certain times and certain decades, and or Michigan's better than, than Ohio State. But think about this. You have... Two professional football teams, Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns, who have been around the NFL longer than dirt, has existed on this planet. And these two NFL teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions, have never won a Super Bowl. We've never got to the, to the point of, to a Super Bowl. So what does that tell you? That tells me that both of these ownerships have figured out, like, you know what? Brown fans have bigger and better fan base than Detroit does. They might get a little angry and might get a little bit bitter and, and, and upset. But their fan base is just as good as Detroit's. But both of our teams are bad. I just... No, I, I would. I really do. I really wish that. I really wish that I could go to Detroit, do film study with the players, teach every player in there how to fit their position. I would get. This is what I would do. I first of all, I would get a nutritionist. Then I would get people that understand film. And I, what I mean to understand film, I mean understand the film study. Third thing I would do if I was a Detroit Lions coach is individually meet with all my players once a week. Now, I know it's impossible. You got 53 players, but you get five players per day. Five times seven is 35. So, but my point is that. You know, you really have to teach your players what they're doing wrong. And they're not teaching them anything. They're just just not. I feel like the playbook doesn't change. The playbook, the offensive playbook should change every week. You're always going to have those certain plays that you're going to call because they're part of the NFL football um, MO. You need to have a good running game up the middle. You have to have a good slot receiver. You're going to have to have a receiver with speed from the outside. But when you go on first down and second down and you run to the left 65% of the time, the other team is going to figure that out. All the other teams are going to figure that out. So every playbook, every play call, should be different from from the next. It just should be. And I would love to be a coach. But you know what? I don't look like a football guy. I have never played football because of my disability. So I've never been in a football field or on a football field. And most of these guys will look at me like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking to, to me about football? But it's really not about how the guy looks like. It's how the guy gives the information to the players and what type of information you give to your players and what type of respect you have for your players and what type of respect that you, the players have for you. For example, Campbell is Mr. Macho Rand, Mr. Macho Randy Savage. He talks big. He talks tough. He just wants to be great. But then you have someone like Belichick, and I know Belichick is struggling because his players are not highly smart right now. Max Jones is a second-year quarterback that you know he wasn't really he wasn't really that great coming out from Alabama. He just came from Alabama, so he wasn't. I don't think he's that great. But like you have like someone like Daniel Jones from the Giants you set them up correctly, the team's going to start playing better. That type of stuff. That's always going to work for you. But I want to tell you people, the Lions just, I just wish the Lions just would get a coach or get somebody that knew how to film study and knew how to teach each player how to do their part better. And by teaching each player how to do the part better, or their plays better, then you would have, after you do that, then you have a group meeting, the offensive meeting, the defensive meeting. And then you would have the offense and defense to have a meeting together. So you create a unity, you create a team. You don't want to blame the offense for a bad series. You don't want to blame the defense for a bad series. Or if the defense accidentally loses a game, or the offense accidentally loses a game. There's too much negativity in Detroit. You just don't want that. If you like listening to this podcast, please keep listening. Uh, This is the Crazy Dre podcast show. Listen to me on uh, uh, Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. There's other uh, uh, platforms I'm on as well. Um, I am distribution through... Um, what do you call it? A bus sprout. Uh, I know I'm. This is I'm new to this, but I'm trying. It's good for me. All right, peace and love. Uh, always. Oh yeah, remember. If you have any questions, email me at Dre podcast show at gmail. Love, bless, Detroit, especially Detroit Lion players. Keep, keep trying. Do more film study. If you don't know something about nickel or dime defense, ask someone that knows. There's never a dumb question. There's just never a dumb question. All right, peace, love. I'm I'm out.